and welcome to episode 167 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The bye week from hell is gone, thank goodness for that. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Was that because I was on a bye week last week that it was a hellish week? That must be it. My name is Paul Mitchell. Joining us this evening, two members of the team, Charles Patterson, and he fronts up. Nobody can say he doesn't come on where his team doesn't do well. Gordon McGuinness is with us as well. Firstly, I can't believe I've just done I can't believe I set you up like that. I want to end this podcast now. Let's just call that 167 because I've already sank the <laughs> new low. I can't believe I lined you up to do that. That's just disappointing. Anyway, evening, gents. Uh, welcome back as we chat all the Week 7 action. And much like last week, we're a little bit late in the week. Diaries at this time of the season are always a little bit challenging. There's trips to London. There's uh, midweek Scottish football, which... Um, some of you darlings are busy at um, attending things and things like that. So we're a little bit later in the week. And let's do like we did last week. We're going to kick off straight away by going right into the award nominations. Uh, because I think there's some great talking points. And that usually takes us through most of the headlines from week seven anyway. So straight into the Loch Lomond belt or off the week. And there are a few. Um, the most obvious one, and we'll get this out of the way for Gordon, first of all, is the combination of the Bengals and specifically... Jamar Chase. So I'm going to read out a couple of sentences and then we'll we'll go through this. So first of all, for the Bengals team as a whole, Paddy Kelly says, pretty incredible what they're putting together in Cincy. Everybody's tipped to finish bottom of the division and now probably favourites. The great thing about the NFL now is how you can go from worst, almost, to first. Well, not quite yet. Going to be fun watching this partnership over the next few years. And Steve Briggs adds outstanding performance on both sides of the balls. Bengals went into a prove-it game on their division rivals' home turf and showed what a great team they are on both sides of the ball. Burrow handled the Ravens' pressure. Chase had another outstanding game with over 200 yards and a touchdown. And Uzoma torched the Ravens' secretary for 90 yards, two touchdowns on three receptions. The D held the Ravens in Lamar, who's been playing at an MVP level, in check all day. Specifically for Jamar Chase... Dave Nichol says, proving himself to be the most exciting rookie to burst into the scene in years, blew holes through Baltimore and put in a performance that very few people saw coming. My only concern is that I now have to take the bungles seriously. Michael Harris says, absolutely belting season so far, keeps getting better and better, an absolute stud, proper chuff for the Bengals fans after a rough few years. And Sarah Ross just sums it up by saying, I'm sure you get plenty of nominations for this guy, and rightly so. 201 yards receiving, that included an 82-yard catch and run, and making NFL history first player to have 754 receiving yards overall in the first seven games. Let's chat about the great, magnificent team that are the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's talk about the fact that someone on this call didn't even want to put that game in yep. pick six. I, I, that is true. And me, I me, was the only one who chose it. I and I said, was the only one who suggested it would be in. I said it was going to be massively one-sided. I wasn't wrong. In, in you were my, right there. In my defence, I backed you up and said, I think that's going to be, you, I think that's an interesting game. Yeah, you did. I thought, you did. Uh, on, when we talked last week, Cameron, I said, this is a big yeah. game for the Bengals yeah. because they have they have enough talent to put up points against them. And the Ravens' defense was dreadful. I, I going into I just felt like this the Bengals hadn't really faced anybody of this caliber yet and really gone toe to toe. And I just think coming up against the Chargers, uh, who have been so good, don't I, I mean, the Packers. Uh, hang on, hang on, they played hang the on. Packers close. They just played the Packers yeah, and they took them to overtime. Defense, that Packers defense is no the Ravens' defense is better. Right and, and uh, 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 right. Hang on a minute. You've offended both of us in the space of five minutes. The Packers' defense is ranked seventh in DVOA. Okay, and actually they're the only chance to against Arizona um, this week, given that there's 17 wide receivers on the COVID list. The um, the, the the Packers' defense is far better than it has been in the last five years, and the Bengals' defense and offense we all know now is legitimately good. But the, the fact remains, you left them off the pick six. I did. I had to bring it up. I, I then went with the Bengals, despite the fact that there was, I think, a seven-point spread on them. And exactly. they blew them out. Yeah. So, Cameron, you are automatically in ball bag territory. So, because you on a minute. The game. Wait a minute, right. So what I do for the pick six is I look at the spread and I pick the six games with the shortest spread because... In theory, those are the closest games. The The Bengals-Ravens was not... Even if we had done seven games, it wouldn't have made the list. I think it was ninth in the spread. That's why they didn't appear on the list. Um, I genuinely go process. for the... I, but that's a bad process. Dreadful process. I go you with get, the spread. You get, you get, on average, three points for playing at home. So take the three points off home. You've got the Bengals at the Ravens, a team who everyone 
a week ago was talking about being the best team in football and effectively on a neutral field, that's being called a three and a half point game. Of course, that should have been on your list. Anyway, skip past that. Jamar revisionist pish is the revisionist pish. It's not revisionist, though, because both me and Charles were in the chat saying, <laughs> saying that it was a good game this week. It's not revisionist because of the score. We said it at the time. Yeah. Anyway, Jamar Chase is great. It's a big thing, two fingers up to all the people who went, oh, the Bengals have to draft Penesuel. They can't. Joe yeah. Burrow played with Jamar Chase at LSU. They were historic there. They clearly have a rapport that most quarterback and wide receivers could only dream of. He's an incredible route runner. You know, does really well after the catch. I also think as much as there's praise for him, there should be some more praise, not more, there should also be praise for Burrow because the Ravens blitzed the hell out of the Bengals and Burrow stood in the pocket, made little movements, all the little space to find. The the Uzama touchdowns largely came because he was able to look off defenders and and move. Um, And what I find fascinating is as little as two months ago, People talked about the fact that Lamar and Baker is like the rivalry that can sustain the AFC North for the next decade. And on paper right now, it's far more likely to be Lamar and Burrow. The thing that I found really interesting about the game was obviously it was very even at the half. And then in the second half, Cincinnati's defence basically shut down Baltimore. Now, everyone's focusing on Jamar Chase and everyone's focusing on um, Joe Burrow and, and the fact that there were a lot of big plays as well, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard plays in that game. But the the, the Baltimore offense went in in the tin from about um, the you know the, the, fourth, the fourth minute of the set of the third quarter. You never saw them because the def, the defense by of Cincinnati is so much better this year. They're they've got more sacks already at this point in the season than they had in the entirety of last season. They picked up Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. And he's continued where he left off last year. And that is what is going to keep them um, legitimate right the way through to the end of the season. They've clearly got the offensive firepower because they have been building around it. But they are a balanced team. They can run the ball, they can throw the ball, and they can protect their quarterback, which they were never able to do. And now they've got a defense as well. And I think that game has proved that perhaps Baltimore were slightly overhyped. I think they're a very good team, but they were slightly overhyped. And I think, as Cameron alluded to, they hadn't played anyone apart from Green Bay, really. So perhaps they came in under the radar. They're not under the radar anymore, Cincinnati. They're absolutely legitimately a playoff team. I think they're under the radar. Like, I don't think they were under the radar for the Ravens because they're divisional opponents. And, you know, they've mm. cost the Ravens the playoffs and stuff like that before. Where, so on the Ravens, if they're overhyped or not, I think they were overhyped because of the Chargers game. And I think a lot of people are overreacting to the Bengals' loss now because we overreact to games that... So both of those games, I think, were probably closer than the final score suggested because what the Ravens' offense is and what the Chargers' offense is, the Chargers' offense is something that relies on fourth downs. And in that game against the Ravens, they went for it on fourth down, they had a game where they didn't convert on fourth down, and all of a sudden that compounds everything. The Ravens run up the score, it looks like a huge blowout. Two of those fourth down conversions happen and it winds up being like a seven to 10 point game. Where the Ravens are have a genuine problem this season is that bizarrely for a team who ran the ball so well, their offensive line struggles and their running back injuries mean that this is an offense which is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he, the running game has to be him. And as an offense in the passing game, they are having to take chances and throw the ball downfield a lot. And I, I think Lamar Jackson's playing well, but when you live off of deep passes, you will have a game whereby it's close in the fourth quarter and then all of a sudden you hit nothing. You hit nothing for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And in that time, if your defense doesn't stop a single drive, you're going to wind up losing by 20 to 30 points. I think what's interesting here is I think you revert to the mean. I think we overreact on the great wins. We overreact on the losses. And I think you've got to come somewhere in between. I think, you know, you could argue that people are slightly overreacting on the Chiefs at the moment. They're not a good team at the moment, but 
They've got potential. I think they'll move back up. The Ravens look great against the Chargers, look poor uh, against the Bengals. The, the Penny Sewell comment's an interesting one, Gordon, because if you go for the first three weeks of the season, we got all the stories that Chase couldn't see the ball properly, he wasn't able to catch it, they should have gone with Sewell. And again, you cannot judge a draft pick on three games. You know, we're now starting to see the exceptional side of Chase. I'd like to see him in the next few weeks because he's not going to sustain that. What's his average going to be? You know, is he going to be a difference maker at wide receiver or is he going to be a wide receiver that once every three or four weeks has a monster game and then he disappears for other times? It's too early to know that at the moment. I think what it's shown is that the AFC remains fascinating. And and my observation is, when was the last time in that division the Steelers had the worst quarterback? I, I mean, September. January, January last year. Like uh, that, that's that, this is where Steelers fans can't really accept that. Our good friend Johnny Bailey, I think, has finally came around to it. Um, I, I'm all in on the Jamar Haste, Jamar Haste, Jamar Chase hype. Uh, I, do you know if you asked me to pick any, pick the best receiver in football right now, if you took away Devontae Adams, I, I might take Chase right now as the second yeah. best receiver in football. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I would say it's, that's a fair shot. But it's between him and Hopkins and possibly Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah, Cooper Cup. Between, yeah, the, yeah. The, between those three, I think you can rely on Hopkins across the board. And, and Cooper Cup is just playing outstanding football at the moment. And that's partly due to scheme, I think, and the fact that Matthew Stafford is, a, is an upgrade. But yeah, I mean, he's. He, but he, the, thing, the thing about Chase is he's clearly. It's it's not it's he's clearly got a, a rounded talent. He's not all about blazing speed. He's not all about route running. It's, he's not all about um, you know he's got safe hands. He's got everything. He's got absolutely everything. And I think the the, the scary thing for for people who are going to be coming up against Cincinnati is if you try and double cover him, there's three perfectly good receivers elsewhere in Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and the the tight end Azama is clearly having a bit of a breakout as well. So. There's a real problem there, and who do you cover if you're going to double chase? You're still going to you got to pick your poison now, and they never had that before. Here's the other big problem for not just the AFC North, but the AFC. So you look at contenders across the AFC, and let's let's say that the Bengals now with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have enough offense that they are going to be a team who is a playoff contender for the next three four years. You look at the other big contenders in the AFC. Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland. I don't know if I'm missing any genuine contender. Maybe, maybe Tennessee, but take Tennessee out of the equation here. What those four teams have in common is the Chiefs have paid their quarterback, the Bills have paid their quarterback, the Ravens are going to pay their quarterback, and the Browns have to make a decision on paying their quarterback. <laughs> the Bengals are going to be able to ha- are going to be able to have, you know, in in a year's time, possibly the best quarterback wide receiver tandem in football, or up there in the top three or four on rookie deals and for like another two years before you even have to look at fifth year options. That's terrifying for the rest of the AFC because that's how you can, the reason why they have a defense that's impressing this year is because they've been able to spend money on defense because their draft picks on offense, Jonah Williams on the offensive line from a few years ago, Burrow, Chase have all hit. And if you do that, that gives you more money to spend on defense. You can build something and you just become a lot harder to deal with. And the other thing I think we should give credit to is Zach Taylor. Because for the last two years, we've said, who the hell is Zach Taylor? Nobody knows what he looks like. Uh, no one's ever heard him speak because they were so irrelevant, they were off the map. And then suddenly, you, you actually realise that this guy is a human being who actually coaches and clearly is doing a relatively good job. So I think he should take a little bit of the credit too, even though I still don't know what he looks like. <laughs> Someone had actually mentioned him and the fact that the Bengals had stuck with him uh, and, and they, they deserve credit for that because it's very easy to, to remove a head coach. Um, well, they stuck with Marvin Lewis for, what, 16 years and they never won a playoff game. So no, but at least they got them what, to the playoffs. That's you know? how that franchise operates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll move on and get because I reckon, yeah, there's other contenders, but let's let's go through some of the other nominations before we come around and actually pick. So, uh, Scott Kirkwood actually nominated all the games on Sunday, the whole lot of them: block punts, trick plays, running backs, and wide receivers throwing for touchdowns, ball tingling stuff. Um, 
Laura Ingram puts one forward for Daniel Jones, and I'm reading it out because I'm not sure we'll get many opportunities to read out for Daniel Jones, but he believed he could, so he did. Eli's shoes are massive to fill, and I think he's coming into his own now. Scott Burnside gives one to Darnish Johnson from working on a fishing boat to start in the NFL and then going over 100 yards and a touchdown on his full debut belter. Then there's a few nominations, as you would expect, for Tom Brady. Ross Taylor says, 600 plus touchdowns all time, just wow. I take no joy in this, but you've got to respect greatness. Kenny Law says, for stumping up a Bitcoin, in addition to the box of goods for the fan for returning the 600 touchdown ball. And Scott McKenzie, he says, reaching 600 touchdown passes, only player to ever do so means he's got to be the belter this week. Before we get to our nominations, there was also... uh, uh, awards put forward for Dan Campbell, Kyle Pitts, Zach Ertz, Yannick Ngokwe, Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Demario Davis, and Chandon Sullivan. So quite a few people put forward for nominations. I won't go through them all. But uh, who is the Loch Lomond Belter of the Week, gentlemen? It's Jamar Chase. Or the Bengals. I would give it yeah. to Chase. But you give, I think you should give it to the Bengals for just making the, their biggest win in years. It's their biggest ever winning margin over the Ravens, ever. I, th- I think you're all wrong. Oh, it has to be said. Uh, the, the best performance of the week, without any doubt, was the guy from the Bucks staff who persuaded the guy to give up the ball so easily. Oh, no, no there, there is there is an award to be given for that situation. Yes, and it's not coming now. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I would have held on to that ball until I'd met Brady personally and got. So we we can come to cover that, but from from the Bucks' point of view, that was highly impressive. I think the couple of shout outs are worth it. Demario Davis was was tremendous, absolutely yeah. tremendous, and Dan Campbell, give him his due for the way he tried to get that game to win. You know, for the Lions and provided their Lions fans with a bit of entertainment. But my observation on that game, and I'm wondering what you guys think, is it went to absolute form, and it showed why. Uh, the Rams made the trade. You know, when it came to the crunch, Goff couldn't deliver and Stafford could. And I think that's what it showed up in the end. And I, I, I still feel a bit for, for Jared Goff, but I think we saw why the trade was made. Yeah. I, I picked the Lions to go 0-17, uh, I think, the week before the season started. And uh, I'm quite happy with my prediction thus far because no matter how many trick plays, no matter right. how many trick plays you do, you've still got Jared Goff as your quarterback. I think they will win. I, I don't think golf will be the quarterback the whole season. I mean, Dan Campbell. Have you seen who their backup is, though? Is it still David Blau? David Blau. Yeah, yeah. He started in Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. Cameron, I, get, I, get 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 your plane tickets to Detroit, I, son. I, I like I like Dan Campbell. It, it, it's I, I think he's great, but they're crap. He also though, like before that game, he entirely threw golf under the bus. Like, oh, how's he doing? Well, you know, he's had kind of a tough time. And then basically just to spent a couple of minutes being like, but he's been terrible. <laughs> in, like a, in like a nice way. He's been terrible. He needs to take more on his shoulders. But did Pete Carroll not really do the same about Gino Smith as well? Because he was asked about Russell Wilson and, you know, he talked about how much Russell Wilson means to them and, and all that kind of thing. And I just thought the way he spoke about Russell Wilson was basically throwing Gino Smith under the bus. Now, I thought Gino Smith, he's not delivered for the Seahawks, but he's had them in, you know, he's, he's not delivered for anyone since West no, Virginia. To, well, to be fair, I mean, he packs a, packs a punch sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but that, that was again, just another example of a quarterback, a backup that's been brought in by Pete Carroll to try and win games when your main man goes down and he basically threw him under the bus. Uh, the most important position in your franchise is your quarterback and your second most important position in your franchise is your backup quarterback. And if you haven't sorted it out, more fool you. He's got no well, sympathy for me. Teams don't have good... There's not There's not 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL, though, so it's very hard to have a good backup quarterback. I think Case Keenum's shown it's perfectly acceptable to, ha- to be a serviceable backup and to dig your team out of a hole, which is what he did last week. 
that's that's the most quarterback friendly offense in football. Yeah. Oh, well, that's and Case true, Keenum's not equally. You've got to have a contingency plan. Case Keenum's not the, bum. Case Keenum. Case correct. Keenum's won in the postseason for sure. He, like, he was the he was the man the Minnesota um, famously, Minnesota miracle. The, the Minnesota miracle, yep. of course. As we're Paul, we're not getting a quarterback famously... credit for the Minnesota miracle. Oh, it was a bomb. Oh, it was beautiful. No, it was it not. Had, had the defensive back at all sorts. I mean, that he, he didn't know where to look. Beautiful. I could pass. have defended that. Let's not go anywhere near that. <laughs> right. Oh, um, come on. We did. We did this with Cameron and his claim he could complete a pass in the NFL. That's not good. Anyway, Jamar, Mitchell, the cornerback. Yeah, okay. Jamar Chase, ra- raise your glass, Cameron. Yes, uh, I think absolutely. So, uh, congratulations to Tim- Jamar Chase. Let's raise a dram because you are the Lock Lomond Belter of the Week. And straight into and, the and oh. and uh, um, before you start, of course, there was no clinking of glasses because you forgot them, didn't you? Um, you've not got yours yet, but actually, Charles, you can you can raise yours, and Gordon can raise his. I've got mine. And it's in my cupboard. Um, Tony's actually given me a, a trigger phrase that you need to use this season, Paul, before you get your your bottle of whiskey. I'm not going to tell you what it is, and we're going to see if we can get through those season. But when you say it, your whiskey will be delivered. So I think I can guess what this might be. <laughs> might have something to do with a particular quarterback. I'm saying nothing. Um, on to the Bob Ag nomination then for this week. Uh, we're going to start because i think there's obviously a conversation that we'll get to but let's get stuck in uh bilal 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 nichols bilal nichols darren barry and sean breen both suggested him sean breen puts it best punch the tampa bay center what makes this even worse is the center has a helmet on so it probably hurt nichols more than it hurt jensen always a weird one when you see people (laughs) reacting and punching people in a helmet stupid um i love um pettiness I think that that's something that is, you know, always been part of this podcast. So Scott Kirkwood, I had to just read this out. He nominates Jared Goff because as a Rams fan, I can't be asked with him and his stupid wee smug face. I am here for that level of pettiness. Long may it continue. Uh, Reese Evans t- manages to take three shots at me with this one. Carson Wentz. That's with a W, Cameron, not a V, because I do tend yes. to say Vince. I do you tend do, to say Vince. You do, you do Joe Burrows as well. With yes, I do do Joe Burrows. I'm in it So anyway, so there's shot one for the shuffle pass interception near the goal line, straight into the hands of the 49ers linebacker Aziz. Second shot because the Niners lost. Carson must be colorblind. There's the third shot. So, you know, I feel like this. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. Um, right. Kyler Murray gets one from Dave Nichol. Again, I love the pettiness. For no reason other than an irrational hatred for him. He looks far too small to be playing quarterback, wriggles out of situations where you think he's going to end up in an ambulance, and has an embarrassment of riches at receiver, so when he does throw the ball in the air, it inevitably ends up in the hands of one of them. Some would call it talent. I would call it jammy. I, that sounds like me being bitchy about Brady. <laughs> I can I can totally go uh, with that. Listen, Kyler, Kyler Murray is the the new uh, Russell Wilson of the division. Russell Wilson, I felt, had the tendency to like scramble around, chuck it in the air, and somehow find a man. And the, yeah. the the problem there is he does it so frequently. You can no longer go right. He's lucky. Actually, he's just damn good. You know, I went through a good period where I was convinced it was just fortune. But it, Wilson's class. Um, right, James Whitson, Marshall, and Lattimore. Similar treatment. Oh, sorry. That's part of it. So easily wound up by DK Metcalf. It was beyond belief. Two personal foul penalties for 30 yards that could have cost the Saints in a 10 game would surely be targeted for similar treatment by opposition wide out the rest of the season. Michael Harris gives one to Matt Nagy. How long will this guy last? Does not help his players at all. Poor play calling and poor execution. Wasting a great defense. They don't want to waste a great young quarterback. Mark McCune gives one to the Miami Dolphins, tanking the season again. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Then Tony... They're, Bre- not, they're not tanking. Tanking implies deliberate. That's, it's nothing deliberate <laughs> the Dolphins. They're just bad. No, they're not tanking for two. They're tanking because of two. <laughs> Speaking of tanking, uh, Phil Spears and a few others say the Jets. Phil says, what an embarrassing performance all in all. Uh, Sean Black, we had someone nominate the, the, the games in the Sunday for a belter. Uh, Sean Black gives the whole of Week 7 a blowout. A, a ball back, sorry. So many blowouts, too many teams will buy, get in the bin. Tony Brewerton, he puts forward Nick Sirianni. 
Bob Ag play calling, namby-pamby nursery teacher style, crappy t-shirts, the roster numbers of injured players on his skin cap, tolerance of a defensive coordinator who is unbelievably more passive than Jim Swartz, his inability to instill discipline into the most undisciplined team in the NFL and the last straw, accepting a penalty when declining it would have led to fourth and four and a punt. No, Nick the ball bag accepts it. Third and 14th, car launches it downfield, complete pass and 60 seconds later, the Raiders have a touchdown on the board. Utter and total ballback. Apart from that, Ooh, he seems he, like a really nice bloke. Um, <laughs> Tony's nomination. The rest of them, pretty much, right? There's a few. Oh, no. Barry Patterson. He gives the nomination to National Tight Ends Day. I don't know who makes this stuff up. Can't even be bothered to elaborate on it. It sums itself up in the title alone. Uh, and he could have just tweeted, I don't like fun. <laughs> National tight ends I love national. I tell you, it works as well. Tight ends get fed. People need to remember. Mm. See, this week, when it's National Tight Ends Week, play them in your fantasy league if you can play more than one. They always see loads of the ball. Then there's a plethora of nominations for Mike Evans. You know, obviously he did, had a great game and stuff like that, but Lauren Callahan sums it up perfectly, giving away Tom Brady's 600th touchdown ball to someone in the crowd and costing the Bucks a replacement ball and a signed game shirt in order to get it back from the supporter. Now... That no, leads us no, on to no, 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 the supporter. No, 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 no. The, no, no. the supporter. Absolutely, Byron Kennedy. Hang your head in shame. <laughs> hang Did your he head not in do shame. The right he's thing? never going to listen. He's never going to listen to this. So we Did can not absolutely do the right thing. No, no, he right didn't. Thing. That that ball was apparently worth half a million dollars. I tweeted this yep. earlier this week when someone said, "You know, what would you have demanded from Tom Brady?" And I tweeted a picture of Tom Brady's mansion. You're not getting <laughs> this ball back unless I get your. 60 million dollar house you've got five houses you've got 599 touchdown passes before this I, I don't the guy's done fine the guy's done well he's got a bitcoin you know he's probably going to wind up with probably a hundred thousand worth of stuff he's getting still, season he's, tickets and he's still four yeah season tickets for and a I mean, thousand pound thousand dollars of credit to the official team store he, he is well. also getting like bitcoin and stuff like that yeah, so it's ridiculous probably, he will probably wind up with about a hundred thousand dollars worth but that's still going to be Probably four hundred thousand dollar down in value, just just so that you could do a nice thing for Tom Brady. Tom Brady does not need nice things. Have you seen his wide receivers? No. Do you, do you know the thing that really? And this is this is me being a little bit kind of romantic and Corinthian about it. If he's a real fan, he would have just given that ball back, and then he would have had his name in the sun for three seconds. But no, he has to get something for it. I think that that's really. I think that sticks in the craw. Um, and ultimately, this guy—it looks like he's being—he looks like he's money grabbing, and I—I th- I think that stinks. I really do. Now, if Mike Evans had given this ball to a little boy or a you know a little girl who had a a, a Buccaneers top on, then this would be I think handled in a completely different way. But but this guy's twenty nine years old and has clearly decided he's going to hold them to ransom as well. I think I just don't think he's he's, how, he's not got anything to hold them ransom to. But why? But what, what the hell does he need all this stuff for? I don't but think he's asked Mike for this. Ha- I, I don't know. Not depending on what you've read. No, I, mean, I think, like, I'm sure he's gone. Oh, you've got to give me something. But I don't think he's. But, you holding don't, but to why ransom. should you? Ha- I don't think you should have to demand anything. I don't think. I think you should just be. You know. You know. Be, just be glad of the fact that you know you're you're Give part the of the story. Back. It's no. a story. No. It's, it's a part of a the, story, you know. The Glazer family are worth like five billion dollars. <laughs> like demand what you can get. Right. He didn't demand I, I don't like that. Okay, so hang like on. That. Wait, wait, wait. Here's the question. Here's the question, right? Take take a monetary value out of this. Right? You the ball has Mike Evans has just given you the ball. You're sitting front row in Tampa Bay in a Buccaneers top. Paul's somehow got drunk or someone's done something to Paul and they've somehow managed to get him into a Tampa Bay stadium with a Tampa top on. So this scenario is going to play one way or another. Anyway, somebody hands you the ball. What do you want in return that you can get in the position that you're in that makes you hand the ball back? So let's take half a million dollars out of it and let's not talk monetary value. Let's look at the, the true value of the situation. What would you ask for? That that position would allow you the ability to ask for and realistically get for you to give the. But it shouldn't be a fight. This this should not be a financial issue, and that's the problem. Make it a non-financial. So if the guys that's asking for the ball back says, "Listen, we'll give you anything that we can give you, not money, but if there's something that you need, we'll give you it." Give him the ball, put it in a museum. You would just give him it. And then you say, "Listen, if it's my property, you can put it in a museum." You see, footballers do that, doing that with medals all the time. 
So this is the property of me. It was given to me, but I'm going to give it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Museum or the, the NFL um, Hall of Fame yeah, Museum. Players are, the minted. players are hmm? minted. And in this privileged position, the guy... I know, the but this is, the, it, it, this is the thing. This is why it sticks in the crow for me because it's all it ends up all being about money. And I get that this is the NFL and I get that this is entertainment and sport and there's loads of money rolling around in it. But this is a moment in time. It shouldn't end up being... We shouldn't be talking about bloody Bitcoin. Okay, fine. So no, Charles' right. opening position Maybe is... I'm naive so here. Paul's posi- uh, sorry. Charles' position is he would just give the ball back. Paul, if you're in the position where you can't ask for something, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, the history of sports will tell you that the teams will usually offer something, so you know it's coming. So you've got that chance to negotiate. Personally, I would ask for two season tickets for the next 10 years. That's something the Bucks can easily afford and give away, and would make a difference to you as a fan of being able to follow that team for the next 10 years for absolutely nothing. That's what I would have asked for. Perhaps a meeting with Tom Brady to get a signed jersey as well. But that's where it got. I think I've fallen between, you, you know, it was worth half a million dollars. That's what it could have got at auction, to be fair. But I, I think Charles's point is there. You're a moment in time. You've been exceptionally lucky. I think if you can walk away with a couple of season tickets for yeah. five or ten years and you give it away, you get to meet the guy and you get a signed jersey. You've got a story for life. That that would have done for me. But don't get me wrong. I mean, if Tom Brady turns around and offers me half a million dollars for it, I'll take it and retire. <laughs> So fine, but there you go. So ten years season ticket for two is what Paul Mitchell is going to request. I mean, to that means you have to go and watch every game, even when they're shit. Well, we'll assume, we'll assume that he's a Bucks fan in the scenario. That's, that's that's why he's got two years of season tickets because Brady's done it. That <laughs> yeah, point. He, he doesn't want it after that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, nah, I'm not going back. Uh, Mister McGuinness, you're in the position. You're speaking to the coach, the guy, the equipment guy that's trying to get the ball off you. What are you asking for? Not money. What are you asking? I'm for? telling him. I'm telling him to go and get the GM and their salary cap specialist. I'm telling <laughs> them to sign me to the active roster. I'm telling them to fit me with pads. They're already up the bucks like thirty odd points in this game. Line me up. Put Antonio Brown on one side of me. Put Mike Evans and Chris on the other side. Of me. <laughs> let me let me run. Let me run. Wide open in the end zone, throw me a touchdown pass so that I have my own touchdown that I can play. <laughs> Give me that and you can have a 600 touchdown pass. No, 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 no. You, you want to be throwing the touchdown because it's almost impossible to throw a touchdown as a quarterback if you're a normal human being in the NFL. <laughs> and you want to you want to throw a wide receiver now, screen. Gordon can't sass actually, me. Gordon actually, can't sass me for my I can throw actually, a yard no, and right, then say right. that he wants... <laughs> I'm changing my answer. I'm changing my answer. Start the same again. I want the salary cap guy in the GM. And I want him to sign Cameron to a one-play contract <laughs> so he has to throw a pass so that we can see him not complete it. Oh, that's right. I get 15 attempts, though. Fine. I, I'm with you, Paul, but I think I would push it. I think I would be asking for a lifetime seat. I wouldn't even I, need it to be I, in a I, prime I seat. I have a, re- say, I have a real problem with that. Give me a lifetime seat for that. Let me be part of the story, part of the history. This is where Tom Brady did 600, and we'll continue to talk about it every time I'm on screen for the rest of my life. Um, Give me the pirate ship. (laughs) (laughs) I can take it and then sink it. (laughs) Okay, right. Who is our ball bag? Do you know the the only other one I was going to mention, and this is a rules thing, and I know, know Paul loves his rules, but... The, the the thing that should be in the bin this week is the ridiculous rule that meant that Taylor Heineke couldn't score a touchdown when he slid into the end zone. And I'm saying that as a Packers fan who benefited from it because that is the most ridiculous rule I've seen this year. And there is an example of something that will be changed at the end of the year. And that the, the ball baggery that that did now end up in a touchdown and the shithousery as far as I'm concerned is great. But that is a rule cock up of epic proportions that, that we've nobody mentioned it, so I think that that does need to be mentioned. I, I would go for another potential rules thing as well. That once again, the taunting rule is a farce. There was one in, I think it was the Sunday night game. Boy catches a pass, goes off to the sideline, tosses the ball up in the air. The defensive back who was on the bench, not on the field, catches it, tosses it to him. He tosses it to the ref, it's not a flag, flag thrown in that Ravens Bengals game. Ravens player gets flagged for taunt, uh, for holding. The Bengals player goes right into his face and points up at the scoreboard 
to to point out where he'd held him. That that's not Tottenham. Now, for the record, I don't want that to be Tottenham. That's great shithousery. Get in his face and point and show him on the screen where he held you. But for that to be for that to not be Tottenham, but the boy tossing the ball, he didn't spike the ball at anyone's feet. He tossed the ball up in the end. The boy caught it. The taunting rule. Every single week, there's two or three that are garbage. And Roger Goodell and John Mara telling me that, you know, 45-year-old men were in tears because people were taunting and it's ruining the game for them. It's bollocks. It's nonsense. No no one wants these things called as taunting. No one. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So if you take the Saints game on the, the Monday night, so I watched the whole game on replay, Everett catches a pass, goes out of bounds, tosses the ball, and the Saints guy in the side doesn't throw the ball, doesn't throw it, tosses it, hits him in the shoulder, and he gets flagged for it. Now, the Saints guy catches the ball and chucks it at his back, and he doesn't get done for anything. You know, th- this is nonsense. There was no, it was that flip of the moment. There was no, nobody's going to get hurt. They're all big boys. Let's get this taunting rule in the bin. It's a bit shithousery that we need. Just to, it gives you that edge. You know, look at, I mean, I, I noticed that uh, Marshall Lattimore got, got a nomination for being really bad this week, but DK Metcalf pushed him with two hands and the referees missed it and Lattimore <laughs> goes back, lamps him and gets the call for the penalty. That's Bob Baggery from the referees because it was so obvious. But on, on then a serious point, to move away from taunting, my Bob Ag nomination goes to the Seahawks play calling. You hit DK Metcalf for an 84-yard play, which, to be fair, he got away from the Saints secondary, stayed in bounds, looked tremendous, and it was about 38 plays before they threw the ball at him again. How can you do that? That is absolutely and utterly insane. You've done it once, it's worked. Get after it again. And if I was going to be a Saints fan, I would say my quarterback being 1-10, in 10, on third down conversions is Bob Aggery as well. But the Saints got four first downs off of penalties from the Seahawks. Now, the so Seahawks for, for the record, tell that's, themselves. That's not the sentence that wins you the West game. Pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. He's, looking, he's looking good, Paul. He's looking good. Statistically, no, he, he looks better than he, ever. He was dreadful. On on the the Monday night game, utterly dreadful. He's not got anyone to throw it to. He's got nobody to throw many interceptions though. No, but he wasn't thrown it because he's got nobody to throw to. And and now it's funny. Like we'll talk about the the Mark Ingram trade, but obviously I think Mark Ingram's much needed reinforcements. But that's just more running backs, so he's not going to be thrown it anymore. Um, The only thing you can maybe do now is you can line up Kamara as a bit of a secondary, almost like a slot receiver, and play Ingram in there. But you you want to rest Kamara? That was a ridiculous amount of touches he got. Um, Yeah. So, you know, definitely an interesting one. Right, well, we need, to, we need to pick a winner for this ballback nomination, though. So put forward your ultimate suggestions. It's the fan. The fan. Absolutely no but doubt. You're putting it, the fan it, because he's asking for stuff, and Gordon's yep. putting the fan because he's not asked for enough ask for stuff. Enough. <laughs> there, therein lies the conundrum. Who is going to go to heaven and who's going to hell? Remind Should me of the guy's name again. What's his name Byron again? Kennedy. Byron Kennedy. Well, you know it what? is said that the meek, the meek shall inherit the earth, but it doesn't say that the meek can't get a couple of season tickets to the Bucks while there. See, I, I would have if I if, I, if we knew Bitcoin. had his if we had his address, I would have sent him a bottle of whiskey. I think good on him for for giving the ball. But do you know what, uh, Byron Kennedy, you are the ball bags ball bag of the week. Congratulations. Okay, on to week eight. Uh, incidentally, the Titans didn't even get a mention in that. And the Titans absolutely destroyed the Chiefs, like on both sides of the ball. And they didn't even need Derek Henry to do it, other than throw well, a touchdown. Well, does that not say how much of a mess the, the Kansas City Chiefs are in at the moment? Yeah. Um, because the, remember, the Titans beat the Bills the week before. So maybe people are taking them for granted again. They are the most bizarre team because they lost to the Jets. Um, and now they've knocked off arguably the two best teams in the last two years in the AFC. So I can't make Tennessee out. I, I can't get them, and I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if they lose to the Colts this week. That Jets one, incredi- was a, they're incredibly dangerous. That Jets one was a blip because they had no receivers. It's the same thing as the why for yeah. me the Seahawks and I, no, sorry, why the Saints struggle against the Seahawks. I think if 
Michael Thomas had been playing in that game, it would have been a completely different story. If Even if Hill had been available, if Taysom Hill had been available, that would have been a lot more one-sided than it was. Um, however, we move on. We move on to week eight. Uh, gentlemen, what are the storylines and the games that are catching your eye, taking your fancy? What are you looking forward to this week? Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the stories that are going to come out of the NFL, I think you've got to ask what the hell is going on with these emails and the Washington football team. I mean, th- this is an utter joke, the stuff that's coming out of the NFL centrally. You know, they're getting saying that they've not done a written report, they're protecting sources. And then you're getting, you know, lawyers and people that were on the other side of that saying, we've not asked for protection. You know, we, we, we want the truth to come out. You know, there was there was a degree of anonymity, but that was assuming that a report was to come out. 650,000 emails. John Gruden cannot be the only casualty out of this. There's some ball baggery going on there, and I think that's going to run. The other one that I would like to mention before we get into the games is, can Mark Davis not sit down without a backpack on? Does it really take that much to take a backpack off? You know, I, that's bizarre. And, you know, go and chuck $10, $15 on a haircut as well. It's not, you know, you own, you own a big professional sports franchise. Go wild and treat yourself to here. Here's a question for you. What is the net worth you reach where you literally no longer need to make the remotest attempt with your personal views? Because <laughs> <laughs> there clearly is a limit. Yeah. Al, Davis, yeah. Al Davis was no different. He was exactly the same. But then they've always been a bit different, haven't they, the Raiders? But Al, da- Al Davis, to be fair, had style. He was either an all-white, all-black. He had a style thing. He didn't have a was a tracksuit. Yeah, but that was that was his that was his thing. That was color coded tracksuit. You know that 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 was at least his attempt at style. Mark Davis doesn't even have a bad style. He just has a style that's unique. Yes, indeed. Uh, so game game wise this week, I am very interested in Steelers against the Browns because I have no idea what's going on with the Browns just now. Like, are they going to start Baker Mayfield with one arm? Uh, are they going to go with Case Keenum? The Steelers aren't terrible. And I, I said this in our, at our event before the before the season. The Steelers floating around, you know, the, the kind of 500 or one win either side of 500 it's going to be now really wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So this is a game for the Browns where if the Browns fall to four and four, the Ravens at five and two, the Bengals probably at six and two because they're going to beat the Jets this week. All of a sudden, you're two games back. You know, there's there's tough games to go on the schedule for these teams. It's not really where you want to be. So the, the Steelers can really inflict some some pain on the Browns in that game if they can win. The the, the, the game of the week um, in terms of excitement is going to be Cowboys-Vikings. I mean, that looks an absolute um, barn burner. To, co- to take an American phrase and use it judiciously here. Um, because I think the Vikings are actually really good. Mm. I think they could be really, really good. They've got a great wide receiver core and their defense is definitely improved. But the Cowboys have, have shown thus far that, they, uh, that they're right up there as one of the best four or five teams in the league. So I, I'm tempted to stay up and watch that one, definitely, because that, that, that could go either way. And I think that will prove that game if... Minnesota can, should be taken seriously, and also whether or not uh, you know, the, the Cowboys' defense is actually for real. Because as much as um, as Diggs has been stealing all the headlines, I'm not entirely convinced by the rest of them. And the other game of the week is the one which, by the time we all yeah. listen to this podcast, will probably have already happened. The only problem is it's been blown to bits the by the fact ball. that Green Bay have got no receivers. So, <laughs> well, uh, my uh, my my. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, yeah, and he's out as well. It's, it's a shame actually because it was stoked to be the you know the, the biggest game of the season so far in terms of two informed teams. But um, it is not true that I am jumping on a plane to Arizona because I am the nineteenth choice receiver. But I might be the twenty first because I don't know who he's going to throw to Aaron Rodgers tonight either. I think they're going to have to just rely on their ground game and hope for the best. So it's a shame because. It would have been a really good game if everybody had been fit and available, I think. I, I still think it'll be a really good game. Um, mm. Aaron Rodgers is like 12-0 and 0 in games without Devontae Adams since he came out in the NFL. Apparently. Yeah, I saw that. I, I just, I'm not convinced it's happening tonight. This feels like a big Bob Tunyon game where <laughs> yeah. he's going to get the ball up. I also just like being able to say big Bob Tunyon. <laughs> also, it's a pretty good week for you, Charles, because the Ravens don't play 
So the Ravens wide receivers are getting zero yards this week. Mm. And the Packers don't have an offense outside of Aaron Jones, potentially. <laughs> so like, maybe you can claw back 200 yards. <laughs> yes, I guess. Well, yeah, you might have to claw back 400 yards for them to stand a chance. See, I don't, th- I don't think this is the sort of game, though. If you're the, if you're the Cardinals, and again, we'll not go too much into this because by the time people listen, it'll be done and dusted. Aaron Jones isn't getting over 50 yards tonight because all you're doing is you're stacking to stop him. That's, that's going to be play one. Stack to stop him. Let Rogers find Randall Cobb and Tonyan over the top, uh, and they'll get little twelve yards, nine yards, six yards. He's definitely getting more than fifty yards. Yeah, he's get, I think he's getting a lot more than fifty yards. And the, the 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 thing is that they can play him out wide, which they have done before, and they can play AJ Dillon in the backfield. And I I wouldn't be wanting to go man on man with uh, with Rogers as a as the quarterback because there's always somebody who can run fast. And catch the ball. If even if it is the guy at the bottom of the death chart, if he's got half a, if he's a wide receiver, he'll have a bit of pace. So I don't think that they will do that. And Arizona's defense is is good, but is it that good? We don't know. But they've got way too much firepower, in my view. Uh, certainly from what we've seen so far, yeah. they are the class above at that moment. I mean, on on your Vikings point, the Vikings are. I think the Vikings are pretty good as well. They are in a slightly precarious position. Because they have the Cowboys this week and they have the Ravens next week. So they're a team who could be really pretty good and find themselves three and five in a couple of weeks. Mm. So that's why I think this game against the Cowboys gives them a bit of leeway that the Ravens game doesn't feel as must win. Um, If they lose this game to the Cowboys, I think it puts a bit more pressure on them next week. I think the other thing to, to look at is that the trade deadline's coming up. And that's Monday night, I think. And it will be really interesting to see if any teams off the back of this weekend make a move. The ones that are in contention, they make a move for a player to shore up their, you know, either their offense or their defense as we move into the juicy part of the season. Because there are a lot of teams that are hitting a big bunch of games against a lot of good teams are going to play a lot of other good teams over the next month and a half. And I will be fascinated to see if come Monday there's a bunch of trades that go down. Watch for a fire sale in Houston as well. Mm. That's that like they they're they're not playing for this year. And we've known that for a while. And actually I think some of the signings they made in March were with a view to trading for fifth and sixth round picks. Now. Paul, what yeah, games somebody, Yeah, somebody's still gonna tell me why Deshaun Watson's not actually been placed on a list at the moment and they're still talking. You're talking about potential moves and trades. How the hell that guy's not been disqualified from playing this season is utterly beyond me. It's because they don't need... So because the way the Texans have handled it, they just don't need to. If the Texans said, Deshaun Watson is our starter this week, you'd get maybe 30 seconds before the press release from the NFL announcing the suspension. Has Goodell said, though, that they don't have the information to do anything? They've not seen the evidence. That's just just nonsense. Have they not clicked on social media? Yeah, or they've not looked through the 650,000 emails that people have sent about it. So to get back to the actual games, Charles called it Cowboys-Vikings. I listened to last week's pod. I was on my bye week, and you know people were quite rightly praising Kirk Cousins, which, to be fair, I'd done about two or three weeks ago. He's kept them in the games all the time, uh, but I think this is a big call for him now. This is the kind of week that he needs to earn his salary. He's got to keep them in there, and he's got to win them. He's got to win them the game. Titans-Colts is interesting because the Colts are starting to, you know, just show a little bit. Um, you know, the Titans, you would expect with the wins they've had over the last two weeks to go and potentially blow them out. But Saints, you know, this is a game, you know, if Jameis Winston wants to prove he can do something, uh, you know, you've got to you've got to win these divisional games. I don't think they will. Um, we talk about the good games, there's some bad games on the slate as well you know, that, that you're really not interested in. But the one question I would have is, you know, with the Rams being run close by the Lions last week, can Dan Campbell somehow get his way past the Eagles this week and deliver them that win? Eminently yes. possible, yeah. yeah. But I still think they're going to go in 17, just for my bet, but <laughs> it is eminently possible. If they do you know, the, one game I'm not, the one game I'm not going to watch this week is the game that I am dubbing El Sacchio. Uh The Niners against the Bears... The two most boring teams in football, possibly, at the moment. Chicago Bears, who are dysfunctional since about 1991 and don't know how to protect their quarterback, don't know how to uh, run an organisation against a team with an overrated coach. And I've been 
digging into this in the last couple of days on our WhatsApp group. And I have to say, I think now we should be questioning Kyle Shanahan, who has got one winning season as a head coach and yet is seen as some kind of offensive as a head As a head coach at San Francisco, not as Correct. a head coach. Yeah. Correct, who have been year after year tipped as a Super Bowl contender. One year they did it. And every we other year, it's been a- the year we were the, the year that we went. We weren't tipped to do anything. To be mm, I, well, if, you, if you think, nope. I think if you look across nope. the board, I think nope. everyone, everyone nope. out there who writes about football, who's far more intelligent. Nobody than tipped the Niners to make the Super Bowl that year. Nobody. Don't go there. They are a mess. They are a dysfunctional mess at the moment. This, yep. this is entirely problems. about fifty words more, and I'm interested in hearing about the 49ers as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is playing quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this game, this game. If this is, if this was Trey Lance against Justin Fields, I'm actually kind of interested because yeah. I want to see a rookie quarterback doing. Justin Fields struggling just now. The setup around him's terrible. You know, it, it could be fun and interesting. I just don't. Jimmy Garoppolo does not fill me with any excitement. No, it's Jared Goff. It's Jared Goff. We'll move on from him. We'll move on from him. It's just matter of time. I, I, I'm not going to argue overlay. Shanahan in the off season. Shanahan, but he didn't. Shanahan is definitely going to be having a lot of questions, a lot of heat. Is he on the hot seat? I don't think he is just yet, but um, he's definitely going to be unless there's signs of life this year. So they need to find some signs of life. Um, Two games that I'm interested in, none of you have talked about. One, for different reasons. One is, does Geno Smith get his first win for the Seahawks uh, as they host the Jacksonville Jags? Or can Trevor Lawrence win in Seattle? That'll be an interesting one. I mean, it's not necessarily relevant for the overall season. Interesting as a little storyline. The other one, though, that I'm really interested in is Patriots Chargers. Because I think we're going to find out a lot about the two teams. The Patriots have been coming back, and Mac Jones has looked decent. Um, They've got the run game going, but they've not faced particularly difficult competition. So, therefore, the Chargers are much, much better. How do they do against a good team? The Chargers have obviously come into the back of this after uh, uh, a bit of a doing from the Ravens. Therefore, how do the Chargers bounce back? Do they bounce back? Uh, it's a decent defense. So I think that's a really fascinating story there. So plenty, plenty to talk about. Uh, and as you listen to this, uh, Thursday Night Football will be done and dusted. As I look at the time, I know that people are time-barred on this one this evening. Um, one thing that we'll mention is Paul Mitchell did send a tweet out early as we started talking. Uh, and there's a challenge has been set, gentlemen, um, by Kenny Law, who's replied, because Paul sent a picture out of us chatting and highlighted that it was just two minutes into the pod before the first argument had started. New record. Did he know? Yes. I haven't yes, seen so Kenny, Kenny Law has replied and said, two out of ten for the background efforts of the collective. There should be bookshelves, trophies, and certificates. Up your collective games, boys. So, gentlemen, you've got a week. In fact, you've got less than a week because we'll be doing a podcast next week. We need to up the background game. Challenge set. Get your merch. Get your background sorted. And next week, we'll take another photo. Merch. Well, whatever. Certificates, trophies. I do, I do this in the spare books. room. There is no... There aren't shelves up. The, you've the got best a week, I can McGinnis. do you for is if I tilt this down, you'll see... I don't want to know what we'll see if we tell your camera down. The spare room is just covered in stuff. I, I have to say, I'm looking at these four pictures. So the spare room, fine. Those curtains are from 1976. Hey, my <laughs> wife bought them. Don't you dare go there. Because if she finds out, you'll be mince me. I am not podcasting from my normal uh, office downstairs. I, I am well, upstairs in the main room I've, I've with been the new pun- curtains. Yeah, Thank well, it's like, it's like people commenting on my kitchen. Um, I like your kitchen. Well, I so does Connor Goldson, apparently, but there we go. Um, <laughs> the, I, I don't know what That's we can do That's the worst here. I don't... name drop clanger I've ever heard. Oh, Connor Goldson true. likes my kitchen is the name of your autobiography. This is, this is absolutely... <laughs> This is absolutely this is an absolutely true story for another time. But um, I don't have bookshelves in my house because I bought a bloody bungalow <laughs> with no cupboards. Yeah. Oh God, this is going to be quite difficult. Might do it outside. Ch- challenge set, so, gentlemen. See, That's all I'm saying. Gordon could paint a mural on the wall of could, the Ravens. That, that'd of be fine. Yeah. Just get that done for next That's, week, Gordon. It'll look That's great. the ceiling you can see there. Yeah, this we'll put it on the off. ceiling then. Yeah, just get a nice Ravens logo up on the ceiling. Baltimore's beautiful colours, the red and the black just and the paint, yellow. That's it. Paint the, paint the whole room like uh, Ravens blue. Uh, purple or whatever the hell that colour is. I'm colourblind. I don't know. Um, I'm colourblind too. Big poster of Ray Lewis on your ceiling. 
There you go. You can look at him when you're lying asleep in the spare bed. years old. No, uh, come <laughs> on. Don't lower the tone. I don't want to know what he does when he's looking at Ray Lewis. <laughs> oh, dear. Indeed. Right. Any other stories to talk about then before we wrap up for this week? No, it's, 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 it's not really a story, but I have to say that I think ESPN have got their Monday night booth pretty good at the moment. I must admit, I've listened the last few weeks to Steve Bryan uh, and to Lewis, and I actually think they're okay. It's their best booth in years. Not the best booth in the NFL, but a, a pretty a, an okay commentary team compared to what they've had before. Hard, hard disagree. I think we have to talk about the big story that the New York Jets cannot quit Joe Flacco. We've <laughs> traded for him after we didn't want to re-sign with him. Look, I understand how they feel. Sometimes you see the little flash from Joe Flacco and it sinks into your heart and you refuse to let it go. They're, they're claiming they're going to start Mike Wright this week. Zach Wilson's out for any length of time. Joe Flacco's going to get a start there. And it's great because every time he starts, it's a week that Zach Wilson can't win a game, which hurts Cameron's burger bet with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zach, it's fine. Zach also will be back in a couple of weeks. He, Flacco's not even starting this week. Uh, he's going to—he's basically just moved from one bench to a, a bench that's slightly further north, and it's going to be slightly colder for him this Christmas. There you go. Uh, it's that's really, it's really annoying. It's really annoying that the Ravens traded him to the Broncos initially. Because otherwise, his entire career would just be in this little pocket in the Northeast of America. So, well, I, I'll be honest. So, I, I'm actually due to attend the Jets Eagles game at MetLife in December, which is now the Joe Flacco revenge game. Um, Joe, Joe Flacco Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, it could be Joe Flacco versus Gardner Minshew. Uh, and if Joe, Fla- do you know what? If Joe Flacco leads out the Jets and beats the Eagles. Um, you're doing me a bottle of whiskey. We'll scrap that from last year's bet. So we'll we'll put that into the mix because I'm so, I don't I, even um, I don't even want anything back in return. I'm so confident it won't happen. So, I think, the gift would be you getting to see Joe Flacco win it. I think if that happens, Cameron, I think that you should go to the the New York Jets merchandise store and get a Joe Flacco shirt <laughs> for the next live event as a prize right, and okay. wear it. <laughs> Nobody wants the prize if I've worn it. That's definitely that's how to devalue something. Uh, no, you and then you can pretend to be a quarterback <laughs> as you do it. Uh, right, okay. This is this is spiraled into nonsense now. So we'll, we'll do, do we the... um, do we need to give anyone awards here? Are we? Are we, oh, are we choosing great yeah, show. We cho- oh. yeah, we need to we need to choose these awards. I'm quite happy to. Uh, to nominate one of these numbers Brilliant. if we've, you want. we've managed to make people listen all the way through this podcast for this very bit, and I'd nearly forgotten. So, okay, brilliant. Um, the numbers are between 1 and 40 for this one. Um, so who... Uh, yeah, do you know what? Charles, you can pick the belter this week, and Paul, I'm going to let you pick the ball bag. All right, well, I'm going to pick the number of wide receivers that the Green Bay Packers have lost to COVID this all week, right. and that is number 37. <laughs> <laughs> So congratulations to James Whitson. James, you have won a bottle of whiskey and two tumblers, courtesy of the wonderful people at Loch Lomond Single Malt Whiskey. Um, for the Bobag nomination then. Uh, I'm trying to remember what number Joe Flacco normally wears. Is it five? Five, but he wore seven with the Eagles. He's probably number five. Number five. So congratulations to Mark McEwen. Um, Mark McEwen, you win a pair of ball bags underwear. Well done to everyone that took part. Thank you for taking part in all this as well. We really appreciate it. Love reading out the the awards for both. Sorry, the nominations for both awards. It's very much a staple of this podcast. Please do keep it coming. We're giving away prizes every single week of the season, right through and up to the Super Bowl. Thanks to the great people at Loch Lomond Whiskies and Bob Ags Underwear for sponsoring that. We also have to give a shout out to the Bonnie Sauce Company, who are sponsoring the Bonnie Sauce Company NFL Scotland podcast, Pick King or Queen of 2021, the Pick'em competition. We've not, we didn't give an update last week, so I do need to give an update this week. Uh, we've got two people tied at the top on this one with a 77-30 and 30 record. Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants and Dumfries Demons. Then we've got Jerry Bowler, who was the pick king of Scotland in the second competition, and Juju's Dance Studio equal third. Then we've got P&B Spain, Jake Funk's Soul Brother, Madman, Dave Pearson's 1874, and me 
and tied fifth with a 75-39. Yep. Wow. I know. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm doing pretty well on this. What, what percentage are you at, Gav? Uh, pass. I'm about 75 and 32. I've somehow managed to obtain four different accounts now. <laughs> and I've got no idea what my score is. So I'm going to have to sit down at some point and log on to it on a computer rather than doing it on my phone, which is causing me all heap of grief. Indeed. Um, I, I've I've looked through the list um, to see if I can see anyone else from the pod, and I can't. Uh, there's a bunch of people in tie 10th, Fields of Dreams, Doers, Picks, Skull, and the Bobag Bears, all on a 74 and 33. Then there's a bunch of people in tied 14th and beyond. Uh, keep making your picks. There is every opportunity. It's a season-long competition. I can almost guarantee you the people at the top right now will not be there come the end of the season. I can guarantee you. I will be nowhere near fifth. I'll be doing well if I'm on the first page of this. Um, so keep making your picks every single week. Thank you to the Bonnie Sauce Company as well for sponsoring that. Great prizes that they've put up to be able to give away at the end of the season. But that is the full-time whistle for episode 167. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Share your thoughts on this in every single episode on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter. And search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, we're all over the place. That's probably true of the podcast as well, let's be honest. My thanks to Cameron, my thanks to Gordon, my thanks to Charles as well. Have a wonderful week, eight. Hope that your team wins and join us again next week on the NFL Scotland podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. 